This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones and Sam Carroll as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. And once again, this will be our live on Facebook, but you can still access the podcast through your usual channels on the agenda today, mainly we will reflect on another win in pre-season for Everton. 1-0 win on Wednesday night into Thursday morning, so we'll assess that. We'll look at the winners and losers so far from the summer schedule. Who's impressing Rafa and who has work to do? We'll talk about Moyes Keane. Of course, Rafa sending Moyes a message after his goal-scoring exploits in the week. And transfers just over a month until the window shuts. Where are Everton at? Who's staying? Who's going? And what needs to come in before the window shuts? Uh, but we will start with uh, midweek. Adam, you were watching it along with me. Another win. Uh, Moise Keane scoring the only goal. Um, give us generally your thoughts on on the performance. Was it another valuable workout, or, or, or any any room for concern with what you saw? Yeah, I don't think there was any room for concern at all. I think yeah, I think you're quite right. It was a valuable workout, especially when you consider Pew massive already started their league season. They played a league game the Sunday before drawing nil-nil, I think it was. Uh, so, you know, they, they're probably well ahead of their schedule in terms of where we are. Uh, so I thought it was, a, it was another really good, valuable workout. And I think you know, they played some nice football uh, in patches in that game. I think in the first half, you know, Demardi Gray was obviously the one who caught the eye. I thought Wobie had a nice couple of moments whenever he got himself on the ball. But Moise Keane looked... Pretty sharp, you know. He probably should have done better with the goal that he actually scored. Weirdly enough, I think he probably should have scored that one first time. Uh, he should have won a penalty with that acrobatic effort that uh, hit hit the defender's hand. You know, who knows whether that would have been going in. You know, so he had a couple of opportunities there, which I thought uh, was impressive to see. And then in the second half, as you quite rightly said in your analysis, I thought Everton's midfield three in particular looked uh, looked pretty solid, Alan. Uh, Decore, and Bamman all coming on at half time, and I thought they they really impressed me, especially Gabamon, because I wasn't expecting him to be one of those box to box sort of midfielders. I was expecting him to maybe sit back and Allen would be the box to box, but it was it wasn't really that way at all. And Gabamon actually quite impressed me with some of his passing and interchange around the uh, around the penalty area. So you know there were there were a couple of really bright sparks. I mean. It, it, it's all about fitness, isn't it, in pre-season? And I thought, you know, the main thing is that they got a good workout and I'm not expecting, you know, brilliant football at this stage of pre-season, to be honest. Uh, so I was I was a little bit pleasantly surprised by some of the nice football that was played. But yeah, the, ma- the main thing is that it was a solid workout in, you know, pretty pretty horrendous weather conditions again, you know, 27 degrees, but it, it looked humid. So uh, it wouldn't have been nice for the players, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they'll, like they'll be happy to get back playing. <laughs> to this weather, but, yeah, well. playing playing in some UK <laughs> weather uh, over the next couple of weeks. But yeah, I thought I thought it was worthwhile certainly. Sam, what we've what what we've seen so far from um, from Rafa's Everton, um, could you predict what you or what do you think? How do you think he'll line up in the first day in terms of formation? Do you think he'll do four two three one? We saw a bit of a four three three on on Wednesday night. What, what what's your hunch saying? <laughs> I think it could be similar to, I think maybe one of the reasons why Everton ends up going for Benitez was that, you know, there is parallels between 
him and Carlo and, and you know, as we've seen at times last season, probably most notably in the Anfield derby, you know, we, we, we used two or three formations in that match, didn't we? Quite quite fluidly. And I think in modern football now, a 4-2-3-1 is not always too dissimilar to a to a 4-3-3 if the you know if the number 10 kind of tucks in either in possession or out of possession and, and the two wingers push forward. So yeah, I would say with the personnel we currently have with Hammers, I would say try the four two three one and and say to Hammers, you know, you're just in, just go where you want, just get on that ball and make what you can. But as we've spoken about on the last couple of podcasts, you, you don't know whether he'll still be in the team come the first day of the season or come the end of the transfer window. So it's probably going to hinge on on that personnel, isn't it, and who we could get in. Um, but I think it was quite exciting. It was good to see uh, Damari Gray get a uh, get an assist as well, wasn't it? With, with a, a brilliant through ball. I don't think he had a it wasn't all the way through the game, but it, the the lads definitely got something. And you know, I, I do think from the early signs, it looks like him and Andros Townsend could be really shrewd acquisitions. And it's funny, really, isn't it? You know, Everton get linked with players every day of the year, pretty much, but no one's seen yeah. them two times coming. And could end up being really, really, uh, really useful. So, yeah, I think also you've got to think we haven't seen them so far, but Richarlison absolutely on fire in the Olympics and a big season for him now. I think I'd like to see him back out on the left, cutting inside, getting the players, getting a smile back on his face and and linking up with Calvert-Lewin again, you know, even if it's a case of playing him out on the left, but telling them to kind of stay narrow. And, you know, Luca Dean can obviously provide the, the width around them. So, you know, it's pretty it's pretty back to basics, isn't it? You know, it, it's been a, a classic Everton formation for the last maybe 10 years or so, the 4 2 3 one, but one that now, as Adam's pointing out with Jabam and one one that I think could could definitely work. But it, it leaves questions at this point in the squad. You know, that leaves a central midfielder missing out. That leaves a def- one or two defenders missing out. So uh, I think the next couple of friendlies, especially the Man United game, in which you'd expect Rafa to maybe name a team with one eye on the first game and then ultimately Southampton the opening day going to uh, answer a lot of questions for us. Mm, Prentice, Sam neatly brings us on to what I was going to ask you in terms of, you know, traditionally that final pre-season game, the starting eleven, you know, typically gives us a very good idea of how the manager is going to line up the opening game of the league season. Do you in your mind have, you know, based on the players that are, are currently available plus uh, the return of obviously Pickford, Calvert-Lewin and Mina uh, to training on Monday. With all that in mind, do you have an idea of what you think and how you think Benitez will go uh, on the first day of the season? I don't think we do at the moment, no, because it has been such a, uh, a truncated pre-season. I mean, uh, very similar to last season. You know, So we only had two friendlies uh, before we got pitched straight into it and you worry about the uh, side being maybe a little bit undercooked when that happens. Quite the opposite happened, you know, so they hit the ground running and absolutely made a flying start. So, you know, could the same happen again? We don't know. Much depends on, you know, so Calvert-Lewin, how, you know, sort of match sharp he can be in the space of, what, two weeks? And it would literally, like, one game under his belt. Richarlison probably won't be involved, you know, so, you know, from the, the opening game. So, you know, we'll have to uh, organise without him. But, no, I've, I've enjoyed what I've seen so far. I mean, I know it has only been two matches, uh, and it, it takes a lot longer for a manager to get his ideas and his, uh, his thought processes across. Uh, but it's been quite slick, the football. It's been quite inventive. You know, it's uh, it's, it's been good to watch. And as I said, you know, so on our previous pod, the, 
the most important thing is all three new signings have made a big impact and seem to have settled in very, very quickly and have added something to the squad that isn't already there in terms of like pace in the wide areas. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of positives already. Goodbye, I mean, I don't want to use that old, uh, you know, sort of cliche, like a new signing. Uh, but, you know, he does. He's a kind of player that, you know, we weren't expecting to see. Was it Adam said before about him being box to box? I mean, like the very, very fleeting occasions that we saw him before he got injured, he was totally a holding midfielder who just like, you know, sort of, you know, ran from side to side across mm-hmm. the pitch and, and protected his back four. And we saw something very different from him uh, in, in the other two games. So that's quite reassuring as well. It gives like a completely different option. So, you know, Rafa is a great poker player, you know, so we won't know exactly what's uh, in his mind until, you know, so the opening day. Uh, but there's a few little clues here and there. I think we can safely say Damari Gray and, you know, Townsend will be involved. Uh, and it, it's quite heartening. I don't know how good the Mexican side were. I mean, I know Adam says they've uh, actually started their season, so they're match sharp. But I don't know quite how good they are in terms of quality. I thought the Colombian team actually looked better in terms of quality. Maybe that was because, you know, it was Everson's first game. You know, but all in all, you know, so positives to be had, you know, so right across the board, even to the extent of Joe Virginia, you know, so building on the promise that he showed in that, you know, performance against Man City last season, uh, making two or three really bright saves when needed. So, yeah, all in all, it's been pretty good so far. It's not often we can say that about pre-season, is it? You know, so <laughs> we, we get positives. <laughs> this time last year, we were 3-0 down to Blackpool. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, we were... <laughs> Everybody was looking at each other nervously after about 20 minutes, weren't they, at Blueville Road? And uh, Carlo didn't look a particularly happy man. But uh, uh, just a message in there from uh, Drew. 4-3-3 works if Gabani stays fit. Big if, of course, with width from the full-backs and three centre-forwards up top. Adam, it is that kind of cautious, very cautious optimism at the moment with Gabamin, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. understand me, Drew, Drew will, obviously, Drew's feelings will be shared by many if not all Evertonians about Gabamin. it's that kind of if he stays fit because of obviously the horrific injury record that he's had um but he has looked good hasn't he I mean and we can't and we shouldn't shy away from that he has looked stronger and stronger as as have gone on and you know he's carrying the ball well and as you know as we've said doing things that perhaps we didn't know in his locker but then equally we've barely seen him play so I think everything Mm. that he produces is a surprise in that respect Oh, certainly. And I think it's just about managing him right now, isn't it? I think maybe in a in a weird sort of way, his return from injury came at exactly the right time because he's essentially been back in some sort of pre-season training a couple of weeks before he came back with the squad. You know, we saw him on social media. He was posting with a personal trainer inside the gym, making sure, making sure he was he was properly conditioned. And then he was on a pitch as well, doing doing little drills by himself. So Maybe that just gave him, you know, the kickstart that he needed to come back into preseason and just slot back into the fold. And you know, I think he has been managed quite well. You know, obviously we all seen him score against uh, Blackburn, which you know will have been really, really good for you know his his sort of confidence, I suppose, and his belief uh, coming back into preseason. And then you know, we I was maybe a little bit surprised that he didn't start against Milanarios, but again, it's it was about managing him, I suppose. He got half an hour in the, that game progress to 45 minutes in the game against Pumas. So, you know, if we can maybe see another little bit of progression, maybe he starts against Manchester United, maybe maybe he gets an hour, or maybe he only plays 45 minutes again, considering it's going to be, you know, a much tougher opponent than, than Pumas. But, you know, it's it's all about making those, you know, incremental sort of progressions with him, isn't it? And, you know, as you say, if we keep, if we keep seeing these, you know, sort of impressive spells from him, then, you know, hopefully when he is fully fit, he'll be able to, 
produce this week on week for Everton. And this is exactly what we wanted to see from him, wasn't it? You know, we signed him as, you know, a really exciting 23-year-old from the Bundesliga who'd, you know, impressed impressed for years for Mainz. So, you know, maybe over the last couple of years, just because of the injuries, people have let that that fact maybe slip to the back of their minds somewhat. You know, he's, he's still a really, really talented footballer. He's versatile. He can play midfield or at centre-back, of course. You know, it looks like he's got all of the physical attributes that he would need to be a success in the Premier League. So, you know, it's all it's all about just managing him properly now. So he's actually going to be able to show it uh, for a, a you know, consistent and extended period of time. So, yeah, I think you've got to be cautiously optimistic. But I think you know, being optimistic is absolutely the right thing for it because, you know, regardless of the opposition and regardless of the fact that it's pre-season, he actually has looked quite good. And to me, for the fleeting times that we've actually managed to see him over the last two years, you know, this is probably the most consistent we've actually been able to watch him. So I think you know, it's it's right that we make judgments on him here, to be honest, because we, we've got really nothing else to base it on, have we? The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Drew has just added to his point, saying the point is you could play a front three of Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin and Keane. Sam, so that brings us neatly on to, on to Moyes. Um, scored the goal uh, on Wednesday night. Um, his, his confidence seemed to visibly grow once he'd, he'd scored. Um, look, if he stays, and we all know that he wants to leave, but we all understand Everton's stance. They don't want to loan him. They're prepared to sell him. If PSG come in with the right offer, they will sell him. But if not, he stays. So if he stays, do you see him being able to to work his way into the plans with Rafa? Do you do you agree with Drew that that Rafa could play a front three with him him, him involved in that? At this stage, there is there is a space, isn't it? But it's so it's so difficult as well because you know if Calvert Lewin continues his form from last season and there's no reason to expect that he won't, especially now, you know, that we're, we're adding players to the team who, you know, like playing Townsend, who, who love putting balls into the box. You know, hopefully we, we get that attacking right fullback who can even grow that even more and link up with Luca Dean on the opposite side. You know, that does only leave two spaces in a, in a front three, if, if that's what we were going to do. Um, unless kind of we, we, we Went to a four-four-two, but you know he's, he's a striker. He, he'd get chances, wouldn't he? He might have to be patient at the start of the season, but you know if you can play well enough, there's always an opportunity to try and get yourself in, into that team. You know, look at what Calvert Lewin has gone through at Everton, you know, as we said on the last podcast. You know, eighteen months, two years ago, if if people would have been suggesting Calvert Lewin would be scoring 15, 20 goals in a season and, and getting himself in the England squad, I think there would have been a, a, a certain section of fans who would have. Uh, laughed at you and and that kind of ends up coming to fruition so I think there's a chance because he's talented you know he, he's he's an obvious talent and a player who can uh, get goals but I don't know I think we're going to have to see um, we're going to have to see how it all pans out I, I still seriously doubt that he'll he'll be at Everton at the end of the transfer window but there is a part of me that, that would like to see him and imagine if this time in 12 months we are seeing a uh, him and Calvert-Lewin getting 20 goals each this season and, and helping push us up the table. Prino, what, what did you make of Rafa's comments about Moise Keane after the game? He, um, he he basically was saying, look, when the season starts and you're not in the team because Calvert-Lewin will probably start, 
don't throw your toys out the pram if a move to PSG hasn't happened. The best way you get in that move is to get your head down <clears throat> and score goals. Um, do you think Moise Keane will listen to that? Well, judging on his previous, uh, you know, sort of demeanor, maybe not. Um, I think if the manager was just sending out a, a not even a coded message, you know, so sending out a fairly blunt message to him, you know, so that's the way you're going to have to operate. I mean, it sounds like I'm I'm harsh on the lad and I'm down on him, but I see lots of qualities in terms of pace and in terms of you know, so explosiveness, but loads of rough edges as well. You know, giving away possession cheaply and making you know, so not particularly clever runs. And I noticed that I thought it was a bit harsh actually on social media where he seemed to be getting slaughtered for not actually finishing the uh, the first chance straight off. I think even the Everton you know commentary team who were out in Florida uh, made that point as well. Which I thought was a little bit harsh. It reminds me a lot of the Gary Lineker goal in the '86 Cup final, you know, where he uh, hit the keeper and managed to scramble the rebound home. And you know, if you're uh, drawing parallels with one of the greatest goal scorers of you know sort of the English generation, <laughs> you're not doing too badly. Um, no, there's a lot, a lot of rough edges uh, to be to be rounded off with with Moyes Keane. Uh, I think he sparkled in the French league because the French league, you know, there are a lot more lesser teams in that division, if you like, you know, so that you can you can impress against, be a flat track bully, if you like. And I want to see more in his all-round game, uh, you know, to, to to warrant playing as one of a front three. A 4-3-3 system with those three up top is very bold. You know, it, it means there's an awful lot of defensive responsibility placed on the two wide players. Now, Richarlison, we know can do that. We know he works, you know, so relentlessly backwards and forwards. Even Calvert-Lewin, Moise Keane, I'm not so sure, less, less so. Uh, it's quite exciting, and I love Sam's optimism. Twenty goals a season each next season, yeah, <laughs> that, that'd be great. But I, I want to see a lot more from um, from Moise Keane to actually, you know, sort of justify that. Uh, I don't know. The jury is still very, very much out as far as I'm concerned. I'd love to see it work for him. I'd love to see him become this like explosive, exciting young talent that you know sort of suddenly develops. And you know, fair comment from the other lads who talked about Calvert Lewin. You know, sort of similar age. You know, so was maybe struggling to impress us as much. Uh, and Lewis Keane does have, you know, raw attributes there. Like I say, his pace is, you know, wonderful. Uh, and he can finish, you know, so, so some of his finishing has been decent. Uh, although the first game he missed a sitter, didn't he? I don't know. I'm, I'm still far from convinced by him. I'm trying to be nice. Come on. <laughs> no, uh, not for me. Not for me. It, it's funny to all about Keane and Jabama, isn't it? Because I can still dead vividly remember the day I don't think we I think we signed them two pretty close together didn't we in, yeah. in the summer of 2019 it, it, it was around the Bremen trip because I remember legging it through Bremen airport <laughs> trying to get trying to get some wi-fi so that I could send the piece over saying we'd sign Gabon and and it, it's just mad isn't it that in that time in, in this two years the if you count Ferguson as well they've had three managers and managed what in an Everton shared probably 20 25 games between them and most of them coming in Moise Keane's first season. Obviously, Japan's only got three under his, I think. Three, four, three. Three, yeah. So, you know, it's it's, it's just been, and obviously a, a global pandemic in, in that time as well. It, it seems so bizarre now that, you know, we've we spent 50 million on them and, and we've got so little out of them. You know, and it's just not what we, and not through any real fault of our own because they both do seem to have talent and it would just be great for everyone, you know, I know, like I hate that saying as well. Like, and you sign them, but both of them could potentially, you know, he is still a 27 million striker. Jabaman's still a 25 million midfielder. If they could come good, it would, I just feel like we've been really unlucky with a few signings, and and them two are, are right up there for 
for obvious reasons. And if they could come good under Rafa, it would just give everyone such a boost because it'd be two brand new players in the squad that we haven't saw saw the best of. I think with Keane, he'd maybe just need to, I don't know if for whatever reason he got a chance in the Southampton game and came on and scored the winner or something. It could just be one of those things where just needs that little slice of luck to to kind of get him up and running, similar to Calvert-Lewin in the Chelsea game when Ferguson was interim manager. He scored those couple of goals, didn't he? And one went in off like the bottom of his shin. Yeah. And from there, he was he was unstoppable. So, yeah, as Preno said, fingers crossed, you know, be be hopeful about them and and let's see if he could come good. But definitely hopeful about Jabamon if he, if he stays free from injury. And if Keane stays, I think it'll be an exciting time to see if he can live up to the potential. Yeah, interesting times. I just worry, uh, as, as alluded to, whether the defensive element of what Rafa will want from uh, certain players may scupper that you know Keane's chances, and I, I strongly suspect it would uh, scupper Hamez's chances. But um, Adam, let's move on to the to sort of the big winners of preseason. Who do you think has really caught Benitez's eye? <laughs> it, I mean, it seems obvious, but you've got you've got to say Demardi Gray, really, haven't you? <laughs> I mean. I don't think many many people expected loads from him, you know, as, as a two million euro signing from Bayer Leverkusen. Obviously, he had such potential when he was playing uh, for Leicester, but you know, kind of fell off the boil a little bit towards the end of his Leicester career. You know, had a few months in Germany where you know comp- competition's absolutely fierce in that Bayer Leverkusen team on on the wings. So you know, you can maybe forgive him for not getting into that team, but. Uh, he, he, he seems to have just hit the ground running, really, does it? Doesn't he? You know, he only joined uh, on Thursday. He was in the team by Sunday, scoring, scoring a penalty, playing through the middle. Really impressed, playing through the middle as well. And then when we saw him on Wednesday as well, started out on the right wing, and I thought he looked really good when out of possession when he started on the right flank because he was, you know, chasing down those Pumas players. I didn't think they they started the game very well. They looked a, a little bit nervy and. Damari Gray took advantage of that, really closing them down very well, forcing them into errors. But then, obviously, when he moved over to the left flank, you know, a couple of minutes later, he'd set up Keane for that goal. He showed an amazing amount of, you know, pace and desire to get that long ball that looked, you know, for all the world like it was going out of play. Managed to keep that in and then won us a free kick in a dangerous position just outside the box as well. So, you know, it's little moments like that that you just think to yourself, this, this is exactly what Everton have been missing out wide somebody who's got the pace to maybe get beyond the striker you know whenever the striker dropped back to you know hold the ball up or look for possession or something like that you know you know the pace to get in behind you know it's it's something that we've just we've not really had you know Richarlison offers it sometimes but you know he's not very consistent in doing that I don't think because he drifts inside looking for possession as well you know Gray seems you know hell-bent on I'm gonna I'm gonna take players on I'm gonna get in behind them I'm gonna force defenders into positions that they don't want to be in which is, you know, exactly what Everton have really wanted from their wingers. So, you know, for him to be, again, you know, it's pre-season, the opponents we play, blah, 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 I get it. But for him to be showing those signs this early on in his Everton career, you know, he's, you know, he's only just been here a week, hasn't he? <laughs> and you know, to have impressed Everton fans so much in essentially, you know, 90 minutes worth of football, I think that's that's really good. It's a, it's a, it's a really strong platform for him to build on and I just hope that, he can continue that progression uh, when the season starts now. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 
Um, Logan Quinn is, is messaging in, uh, in terms of uh, players who've impressed. He's been impressed by Anthony Gordon and, and has said, what do you think will happen to Gordon this season? I think he's done so well so far in a couple of games. My hunch, Preno, is it will depend on the club bringing in another winger, McNeil, and not whether or not he's allowed to go out on loan. I think so. I think it'd be a late decision with, with Anthony. What would your hunch be in terms of what happens with Gordon this uh, this summer? I mean, Logan's right. He has been bright in, uh, in, the, in the games he's played, uh, especially you know the latest match. But what goes against him is the fact that you know the manager has already brought in two players that can play in the wide positions. Um, so it suggests that you know he wants to go with you know what he knows and what he's comfortable with. And like probably a number of you know sort of Everton managers that Andy Gordon's had the misfortune to work under so far, he wants to see just a little bit more. I don't know. I mean, um, my hunch probably would be yes, he, he would go out on loan again, you know, sort of try and develop. Uh, maybe not quite ready for sustained Premier League exposure just yet, but certainly promising enough, uh, you know, so not to be, you know, so doing a Benny Beningamy, you know, so moving him on somewhere else, you know, so actually keeping hold of him whilst he progresses. Uh, so, yeah, I suspect that would be my guess. Um, you know, as, as regards, you know, so the earlier question about who's, you know, impressed so far and, you know, who's got work to do pre season. I mean, the obvious ones, you know, Tamari Gray's been an absolutely wonderful, you know, sort of revelation so far. Jabamin, you know, sort of cautiously, as he got through things very, very well. But Michael Keane, strangely as well, you know, seems to play more minutes than anybody else. And, uh, you know, again, could be like a, a, a big, every season's a big season for, for footballers these days, isn't it? But, you know, it's almost like he's developed now to the position whereby he's got this authority uh, within the squad. He is now one of the senior leaders in the squad, if you like. And uh, I loved that phrase from Rafa after the first game, talking about leadership. And he says, uh, my Spanish coach tells me you can't just go and buy it from the fifth floor of John Lewis. <laughs> you need it to, to be, you know, so the Michael Keane, having started his Everton career, looking like, you know, so a little bit nervous on occasions and uh, struggling with his confidence, now looks to have blossomed a little bit. And, uh, you know, so certainly very early signs in this preseason that he's developing a sense of authority now. Uh, so, you know, so certainly that would be, you know, so a plus. But that's going to be a very, very competitive area of the team now because, you know, as we said earlier, Ben Godfrey has been arguably the signing of last season, comfortably one of the players of last season. And uh, he should be playing at centre-back, not in the full-back positions. And then you've got Yerry Mina, of course, who, you know, so is also very, very talented. So a lot of, uh, you know, sort of battling for positions there, which is good to see. But, yeah, Michael Keane has, like, quietly impressed me as well. So as it stands, Preno, Godfrey and Keane getting your nod for Southampton? I think so, yeah. Uh, purely on the basis that, you know, Yerry Mina will have come back to training later. Um, you know, we haven't seen too much of him. Um, we don't know what his fitness levels are like. Um, you know, so the counter, of course, is to, you know, so who hasn't impressed? And uh, Hammers has barely done, you know, so nothing so far. As he, you know, for a fellow who's got that much quality, who I adore, I, I love watching him, but I've not seen him do anything. A couple of crossfield passes, and that's about it, really. I'm oh, sorry, one close range shot that, you know, great save, but, you know, so maybe should have done a bit better with. Um, but, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just, you know, because it's pre season, he doesn't actually flourish until, you know, so the, the real McCoy. Is out there, but I want to see him play at Goodison Park on the opening day in front of a crowd. You know, saying forty odd thousand Evertonians, letting him know how much they appreciate the football of his quality. But to actually be in that starting lineup, he's got to do a little bit more. So he's got to sparkle at Old Trafford next weekend. Mm, indeed, Sam, who, who's impressed the manager from your point of view, and who who's got work through? And we haven't mentioned Begovic. I mean, I know he won't start the opening day of the season in, in all likelihood, but you know, as as we've said, you know. It's a really important position, the backup goalkeeper, because we saw what Olsen did last season to get the best out of Pickford. So, 
you know, Begovic has made a good start as well, hasn't he? Yeah, I think I was quite surprised really when if the rumours about Begovic coming to Everton first broke on social media and there's quite a few fans who, who didn't seem too happy with it, but I think he's great. I, I've, I've always liked him since, weirdly, um, we ran a piece this week, didn't we, with his, uh, with his wife, which is a, a great read, if no, if no people haven't read it, Jerry the Horse. What, what a, he, he's impressed me, to be fair as well. <laughs> Jerry the Horse, massive winner of pre-season. Um, but, you know, do a job on the wing, that. quick. <laughs> it's mad now thinking back that he was a Portsmouth in 2007 you know he's, he's 34 he's a really young keeper wasn't he when he first came through and you know it, it is interesting when you think he's been at Chelsea you know he's been involved in big games there he's worked with Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Gianluigi Donnarumma as, as recently as last season you know he's even had a taste of, uh, of I think European football with, with Karabakh uh, you know, so he, he, he's well, he's well journeyed. He'll have worked through a lot of goalkeepers, and I think he's that pit. He, he's pretty much what Olsen was. You know, he's a great blend of an, a high quality international goalkeeper, but also someone who I think could impart knowledge not only on Pickford. You know, he's an outstanding goalkeeper himself, as he's you know very credibly shown in the last six months after you know what was pretty much non-stop eighteen months of pressure and scrutiny and things which were, were, were difficult, some things out of his control too, I suppose. But, you know, we've also got uh, a good a good group of goalkeepers coming through, you know, for anyone who watches the under-18s, under-23s, Harry Tyler, you know, been very impressive. And I know that uh, Alan Kelly thinks very highly of him, as he does Joe Virginia. The under-18s last season, Zanluk Laban uh, in the FA Youth Cup run was sensational. He had two really good games against Man City and Chelsea. So, you know, the goalkeepers quite often work together and when there's international breaks, these young lads step up. So there's a real chance there for Begovic to play a, a really important role. We spoke to uh, Carlo Nash last season about his time at Everton and, and, and kind of spoke to him about that role. And he did say, you know, that it's a different mentality, of course. You know, you're not coming in and lacing your boots up and thinking, right, if I put a show on and train of the day, I might get a game. You know, you've got to accept, haven't you? Especially with the form Pickford is in. Um, that he might be limited to cup games and filling in when Pickford hopefully doesn't happen, but if he gets injured. But at the same time, he, he can push him on. He can push all the players on around him. He's an experienced lad. He can take all the young players under his wing. So, yeah, I'm happy with that signing. I think all the names for, you know, who have impressed, who haven't impressed that we've, we've said, pretty much uh, spot on. I think the interesting one for me now is the, the young players and what's going to happen there. You know, Lewis Gibson's played a decent part. In pre-season, there's a decision to be made there. You know, there's Ellis Sims, there's Jared Brantwaite, who are both coming back from injuries. Decisions to be made there. It'll be really interesting to see because at one time or the other, they've all been really highly rated players coming through the system. Um, so I, I would hope that we, we we saw some good loan moves. You know, it was another mixed season at Everton last season for loans. You know, Sims, for example, went really well. Anthony Gordon's on the other hand didn't. But, you know, there's just five players off the bat that, we need to see what happens there. And then you've got, you know, your broadheads, Virginia, Harry Tiger, all players, Kyle John, all players who've been in America and and we need to kind of see what, what happens there. So it's going to be a really exciting end to the transfer window, both incoming, outgoing and, and the loan deals too. 
Sam, just quickly, uh, we had a message there from James. Uh, just just a one-word answer then. Uh, can you see any under-23 players making it through this season? Just give me one name and we will do a pod, I think, before the season starts about the year uh, 23s. But just give me one name of a player who might push through this season. Charlie. Charlie Whitaker. Definitely. Definitely want yeah. to watch. Been in the States, hasn't he? And, and highly rated. Um, okay. Uh, just over a month to go until the window shuts. It's come around very quickly, hasn't it? It's... Uh, Remarkable, really. A month ago, uh, August the 31st, 11pm, the window shuts. Add three players in so far, all for less than two million quid, two free transfers, and then Damari Gray, release course triggered. What do the club still need to do in terms of incomings uh, in the next four weeks? Incomings, I think, right back is an absolute must. You know, I think, well, we've been looking for a long-term replacement for Seamus Coleman for a a good few years now and obviously we came into this summer thinking that this summer was going to be the perfect time to be able to do that uh, after the Carlo situation and you know the delay that we've had in starting uh, this transfer window you know it's kind of thrown that into a little bit of doubt hasn't it I know Phil the, the it's it's just I don't I, I don't know <laughs> I think it's it's going to be it's going to be really tough isn't it to to uh, to see a long term right back coming in the, this window for you know for all the talk that we've had about Denzel Dumfries and Phil as you've said he, his name keeps getting discussed between Brands and Benitez but you know it, it, at the minute it just doesn't look like uh, that's going to get off the ground any more than it currently is so you know you'd be looking you'd be looking elsewhere Do you look for a short term option for for this season perhaps somebody coming in on loan and then have a look at it again. Uh, next summer, I, th- I think regardless, we we do we do just need cover there because you know obviously John Joe Kenny's situation is very much that yeah I think he's going to be looking for senior football really isn't he you know he's going to want to be playing week in week out especially after doing that at Celtic last season so you know you presume he's going to be looking for a move away and then you know Everton are left with Seamus Coleman you know Mason Holgate would probably be the backup right back in that situation and then. You know, you've got young lads, perhaps like Kyle John, who could who could yeah. step up. I, I would actually quite like to see Kyle John step up for a couple of games next season. But I I, I do think that a you know a senior right back has to be the main priority. But then it's 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 like Connor was saying in the last in the last podcast that we did. It really depends elsewhere on you know who's going to be leaving the club. If Moise Keane leaves, then I think we certainly need a backup striker. I think you know if we were to you know perhaps offload. Gomez or Delph or you know potentially both, then I think we'd certainly need some sort of cover in central midfield. Uh, depending on the situation, even at left back, you know, if Niels and Kunku perhaps was to leave on loan, Thierry Small's future is very much up in the air as well, isn't it? Are we going to need you no, know, so, you know, a, a left back perhaps to come in and challenge Luka D, even if it, even if it's again, you know, just a short term thing for this season, you know, maybe that'd be. Uh, on the agenda, but I think right back f- from from now until the end of the summer, right back has to be a priority. To be honest, because that that just is calling out to me as the position that Everton just uh, a lacking bodies in at the minute. And uh, yeah, I think some a quality right back addition certainly is is what Everton need. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I don't know what, what, what's going to happen in terms of uh, incomings between now and uh, August the 31st. 
much depends as adam said on uh, who we can move on you know so just to free up the finances uh, to allow you know so a greater quality i mean the players that have come in so far cost nothing effectively uh, so you know there's going to be a little bit of you know sort of toing and throwing at the moment uh, a right back obviously is absolutely crucial uh, you know so Seamus Coleman wonderful servant there he is and obviously you know just signed a new deal uh, but he's had his injury issues over the last few years and uh, you wouldn't be you know massively confident that he's going to be seeing through like a, a full season so you do need you know somebody with a bit of a bit of pace and a bit of energy you know sort of down that side and that's probably got you know so sort of where the majority of the uh, the funds are going to be you know sort of spent and I, th I think up front, I mean, Calvert-Lewin carried so much responsibility on his shoulders last season. And I know Richarlison can also play centrally if required. And we now have players that can fill in in the wider areas. And again, it all depends a lot on Moise Keane's future and whether PSG continue to play straight bat and, you know, so refuse to, you know, fork out a decent fee for him. Uh, but the priority at the moment has to be right back that has to be sorted i saw somebody earlier you know so sort of mentioning about um you know ben godfrey as being a possible solution uh, to that issue uh, and he has played there before but you know it doesn't look entirely comfortable for me good defensively not that great going forward and um you know so sort a of fullback nowadays is such a specialist position uh you know luca dean is absolutely magnificent on that side and we need somebody of similar quality and attributes on the other side and they are the kind of like fullbacks you know the club has been looking at. So I think that's got to be sorted out as a matter of urgency. But it's going to be weird, isn't it? Because the you know the transfer window doesn't close until after we played a couple of games. So we are going to start the season, you know, with with a starting eleven that arguably won't you know sort of see us through into September. You know, Richarlison will come into the uh, the squad later. So things are going to be quite uh, fluid, you know, so as the season as the season kicks on. So you know, don't be getting too wound up if we haven't got a right back on board for the opening day against Southampton. We know our social media is like people will be, you know, so they'll be uh, getting very, very angry about it. But yeah, there's a lot to happen between now and then. You need to be quite restrained, quite sensible, you know, sort of very, very level-headed. Unfortunately, we've got people, you know, sort of in the positions that influence the transfer markets at Everton with those kind of qualities. Yes, I suspect it'll be a busy couple of weeks. Um, Sam, I mean, we've mentioned Richardson a couple of times and, and of course, we all hope he comes back from the Olympics and, and he's still an Everton player um, once the window closes. But the, this Real Madrid thing just won't go away. Carla obviously really likes the player. Um, how confident are you that, that Richarlison will still be uh, still be a blue uh, come one minute past 11 on uh, August the 31st? It's a weird one, isn't it? In that when you kind of just see it, it just seems one of those rumours where it's very much, you know, Spanish press... You know, Carlos worked with him, obviously liked him, two and two together. But the more you think about it, the, the more worrying it is just in that, you know, for a, a young South American lad who, who kind of have started from the very bottom and, and made it all the way to the Premier League. And, you know, you can tell with the way Richarlison has talked about both clubs, all the managers he's worked with, including Marco Silva. He's very respectful and he, he's very appreciative, I think, of the opportunity as well as knowing, you know, he's a very talented player and knows his own worth. And I just think that if Real Madrid did come calling, I think there would be no way of, especially, you know, Real Madrid and Ancelotti, someone who was very much a mentor figure to him when he probably needed it as well. You know, he didn't score a goal at Watford after Silva left, but Ancelotti kind of took him under his wing, didn't he? And at times in that first season, got, got some really good form out of him and a little purple patch just after Christmas as well in the previous campaign. So, yeah, it, it would be tough, but 
I think it's one of those where the the ball's in our court, isn't it? You know, he's he's on a he's on a decent contract. If anyone wants to come and sign him, sign him, come and pay the money. I think it probably be looking at what around hundred million, something like that. I've seen a report this week saying seventy-seven million, but I think that'll be far too far too cheap. What what are we getting for? Thirty-five around around the thirty-five yeah. mark. So I'd want over at least over eighty-five million. I think for a player who. You know, he's got everything. You know, he's got the weight. He's not just, you know, an attacking talent. He's got the weight, right? He puts his body on the line. He scores goals. He's a great finisher. So it is a little bit of a worrying one. And it's something we spoke about on the last podcast that, you know, it doesn't kind of seem like a deal that's going to be getting done anytime soon. It would very much be one that could take you by surprise with two days left in the window. And then you're like, well, that's oh, the crap. key, isn't it? That's we, the we've, key, sold isn't it? Charles, we've sold Keane. We've sold Hammers. Who, who are we going to get to replace him? You know, that that would worry me. But the only slight factor is that, you know, it's been well documented this summer, hasn't it, that the Spanish teams are struggling a little bit financially. So whether it would be logical this summer, I don't know. If he goes and scores 10 or 15 goals this season, would I expect him to be an Everton player next summer? No. I think that's probably going to be the bottom line, isn't it? I do wonder whether... Oh, 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 sorry, I've been I, I was just going to say, I do wonder whether Everton's Olympic situation with Richarlison was Everton playing the game a little bit, as it were. You know, Richarlison was quite clearly adamant that he wanted to go to this tournament, even if it was going to be of a little bit of a detriment to Everton. You do wonder with you know a new manager coming in, they they've maybe just like had a word with Richarlison and said, "Listen, we'll let you go, but you know we know there's going to be transfer rumours about you this season. How about how about you?" Uh, how about you stay with us for a little bit longer and, you know, this is this is the trade-off. So I, I do wonder whether a, a bit of that has, has somehow taken place because other, otherwise I, I just don't, I don't really understand why I've let him go, to, to be quite frank. Uh, if you, you know, if you've let him go to keep him happy, what's the point of keeping him happy if he was, if he's going to leave this summer anyway? Yeah. So I, I, I do wonder if a bit of that's gone on. Yeah, it's a strange situation. I mean, I was just going to say what, what Sam said there just, just concerned me a little bit about uh, Richarlison. He's absolutely right. You know, so he does tend to be a, a player that likes to have an arm put around his shoulder and does like to be, you know, so made to feel like he's like so absolutely vital and, you know, the centre of attention. He had a great relationship with Marco Silva. And as you say, you know, so things just like died for him at Watford, you know, Marco Silva left. And then uh, likewise, Carlo Ancelotti, you know, so embraced him, you know, so very, very positively. And Rafa Benitez, as we know, isn't that kind of manager. He's not a manager who puts an arm around players. You know, so you know, the Liverpool players all made that point. They all, you know, respected him enormously as a coach. Uh, but you know, so Steven Gerrard, especially, you know, so felt that you know he wanted a little bit more, uh, more from him in terms of personality. You know, made to feel like he was uh, more important. So, is he is Rafa going to change his ways? You know, so to embrace Richarlison, I don't know. Is Richarlison going to have to suddenly, you know, so? grow a little bit you know so and prove that you can you know so you can operate and be successful without the arm around his shoulder interesting times ahead regarding Gary Charlison but then again so that's uh, the kind of player he is there's always stories about him indeed indeed okay chaps we will leave it there we could talk for hours couldn't we but uh, plenty to uh, get our teeth stick stuck into certainly for the next month while the transfer window is open and we'll be back next week and thanks for your questions keep them coming in and we maybe should organize a, a Q&A special at some point in the next few weeks as well because I know you you guys have a lot of questions and hopefully we can uh, we can do our best to answer them. Uh, Prano, Adam, Sam, thanks very much for your company. Excellent as always. And thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.